0: Well, come on. Good morning, Go Church. How you feel today? You feel good? Come on after Thanksgiving post Thanksgiving. How many of you how many of you had a great Thanksgiving? Come on, you got to eat some turkey, some ham. I I just want to let you know that it is a miracle my family stayed together. We didn't get mac and cheese. I don't know what happened. There's no mac. Mac and cheese is a staple at Thanksgiving, so, but we're okay. Everybody's going to be all right. How many of you had mac and cheese? Come on, I want to see who I need to be jealous of. There we go, right there. Sweet potato pie. Come on now. You're still eating leftovers, huh? I pray you had a great Thanksgiving. Many of you, you traveled. Some of you, you're in town this week visiting family, so we greet all of you. Uh, Man, what a a joy it is just to be together with family and people that you love. So I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And now you turn your attention to Christmas. Come on, tis the season. And so I pray you have a wonderful holiday as you close out one year and enter a new year. And truthfully, I'm glad you're here today. You're here on a good Sunday. Jesus is here. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit's here. You're here. It's going to be a fantastic day. For those of you in this room that don't know, from this location, we we broadcast to our Germantown Maryland campus family in the greater Washington, D.C. area, so we greet everybody in Germantown, and then we also live stream to our online campus, and literally, we have people watching from all over the world, so we greet everybody online, we greet everybody in Germantown, and we say Happy Thanksgiving to you. So come on, those of you in the room, put your hands together, welcome your extended family. Come on, do that. There we go. I love it. And then many of you know that we have a weekly tradition before we jump into the message where we pause to give honor to the brave men and women that serve in the military and also those courageous men and women that serve as first responders. So I hope that this moment is always genuine, heartfelt, and it just shows you some appreciation. If you have served, if you are serving, we love you, we honor you, and we applaud you. So come on, church family. Can you just thank the men and women that serve? Come on. Come on, raise your volume up a notch. Should we go. Come on. Yeah. Good. And then on your way in today, you were either handed or maybe in the seat that you made the decision to sit in. There is an invite card uh, for this upcoming Wednesday night. I want to tell you a little bit about that. So every first Wednesday, the first Wednesday of every single month, we have at Go Church what we call our first Wednesday gathering. And at this campus, we have First Wednesday for Go Kids. We have First Wednesday for Go Youth. And then they even let the adults tag along. Come on. So we do First Wednesday for all of the adults in this auditorium. It's an extended time of worship, communion. There's typically a message. A lot of times we have water baptism on First Wednesday. Well, this Wednesday is the first Wednesday in December, December the 1st. And we're having our annual night of worship. And this is a it's. It's unbelievable, really, what the team puts on from worship and production, all giving honor and praise to Jesus, but it's happening this Wednesday night. Uh, The theme, if you will, of this particular night of worship is called Turn Your Eyes. It's going to be a beautiful night of worship, and I want to invite you to come and to be a part. This really kind of sets the tone for me and and my family going into the Christmas season. Christmas can be busy, can can be a lot of holiday parties and and work parties and get-togethers and traveling and all of that. So it's good, especially how it just so happens it's December the 1st, to kick off the birth month of Jesus with giving him all the thanks and all the honor. So I hope you can make plans to attend. Invite your family. Invite your friends. Bring your mom and them. Come on, somebody. Y'all come out. Come out at 7 o'clock this Wednesday night for a night of worship. You can, again, if you have students or children, they've got activities and their gathering's happening. So it's a great night for the whole family, but I hope that you can make plans to participate, right? Okay, well today we're in the final week of a four-part series that we've been doing called Legacy. I pray it's been a blessing for you. I know it's been a blessing for me to be able to teach and to learn through this series. And we're talking a lot about how legacy and the goal of legacy is not to live here on earth forever, but to leave behind something that does. And today we're gonna listen to a, a legacy story, an individual that I believe is living a legacy life Before I introduce that individual and we jump into the message, I want to offer a prayer for you, and I ask that you pray for us today. So every head bowed, every eye closed, Germantown, online, in this room, let me just offer this quick prayer, just giving thanks to you, God, for bringing us together. This is another day of grace and mercy, and we're thankful. There's a lot to be thankful for in this season, but being together and to worship in spirit and in truth is one of the top things that we can be most thankful for So for those that are here today or maybe they're listening online, I pray that you would speak to them. I believe, God, that today can be a day where you can allow us to see through a different lens and we can understand a little bit more about the life that we live and the responsibility that we have while we're alive on this earth. And so I pray that you just help us to process in a different way, to think in a different way about every day that you've given us and the opportunity that we have to live a legacy life. So teach us today, Holy Spirit, and anoint those that are listening as well as those sharing. And I pray that at the end of the day that you would get all of the glory and all of the honor because you're faithful, and we love you, Jesus. and your precious name we pray, and together everybody said amen. amen. Now, can we give Jesus the highest praise? Come on, the best, the best praise you got. Come on, about 10 seconds here for Jesus, come on. Come on, five more seconds. Come on, if he's ever done anything for you. There we go. All right, at Go Church, we have a culture of honor. The Bible talks about giving honor where honor is due. So in a moment, I want you to help me welcome to the stage our COO, Don Stevens, who's going to share his story a little bit about what it means to live a legacy life. This is more of a conversation than it is an interview, but I believe that you're going to be really encouraged today and even challenged today by someone that is stepping out in faith and in obedience and realizing what it means to live a legacy life. So, will you stand to your feet? Come on, Germantown. Everybody in this room, put your hands together. Welcome to the stage, my friend and your friend, Don Stevens. Come on, church. There we go. Hi, buddy. Come on, clap till it's awkward. There we go. All right okay you guys can be seated and don thank you uh thanks for for joining us today man i'm i'm excited to have the opportunity to talk to you a little bit and to have you share your story um for those of you that don't know don is on staff at go church he's serving in the area of what we call our chief operating officer coo doing an excellent job by the way but how he ended up in that seat how he ended up in that role really is a god story so, Don, I'm going to turn it over to you for a minute. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Maybe talk about your family, uh, how you married up. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Talk about maybe a little bit of your uh, background, professionally speaking, and let everybody get to know you a little bit.
1: Yeah, listen, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, just truly honored to be able to be here with you and to be a part of this and part of the legacy discussion. It uh, feels very humbling in a way, and so just very appreciative for the opportunity, J.C. Lee. listen for... From my family standpoint, anybody that knows my family knows that it all starts with my precious wife, yeah. Shane. Uh, I think we have a family picture, maybe. There we go. Uh, it's really all begins and ends with her. Um, I love what you say about Kimberly, that in your home, uh, the Holy Spirit has a name, it's Kimberly. That's well, right. in our in our home, it's it's her name's Shane. Yeah. She's our North Star. So, uh, very blessed. Uh, very, you know, uh, blessed with, with two sons, Justin and and Ross, and uh, when you talk about marrying up, they both married up as well. Callie and Marcy are just precious girls, uh, beautiful inside and out. And then we have two beautiful grandchildren, uh, Hayes and and Cameron, also known as Prince Hayes and Princess Cameron. (laughs) Um, We moved here roughly 20 years ago from Kentucky. Our family's from Kentucky for work. And uh, my whole career has been in aviation uh, up till three years ago, about 30 years up till about three years ago. Um, executive level leadership, uh, aviation services, airlines, different things. Was fortunate to be a part of and to have led some relatively large growth initiatives and business ventures. Um, and then about three years ago, I got to semi-retire. Uh, we were focused on building a home. And then about 18 months, I joined the staff here with, uh, at Go Church. So, Come yeah. on.
0: so you talk a lot about, uh, you know, serving three decades in aviation. Didn't you land the plane on the Hudson River? Wasn't that, Is there, are you Sully? Come on, ladies and gentlemen, it's Sully. No, I'm just kidding. No, but, and not to build your resume, but it is pretty impressive. So uh, I'll brag on you a little bit here. For a number of years, Don served as uh, the director of operations for Delta. Uh, from there, God promoted him to a uh, president of ABM Aviation International, which is really a, a billion dollar uh, company and organization. And But you didn't start out there. You talked about being you know, from Kentucky. Where are you, anybody from Kentucky, come on. Uh, Two, two people, that's fantastic. And they're related, so how about that? <laughs> yeah. so, sorry, it's, just, it's too easy, you know. Uh, but you even started kind of as a, uh, in, in a commercial role there where that company evolved into or was absorbed by Delta. And so this whole aviation has just been a part of, of your, your professional career. Um, whenever you reach the top of your career success, though, because I would imagine being president you know, of ABM, billion dollar a year. Uh, I don't even know how many locations and how many thousands of employees, but that would be like the top of your career success. Did it feel like you thought it would feel? You know, a lot of people, they're always trying to like, you know, just be promoted and move up and in their company, in their business to reach new heights, to achieve new goals. You know, how did that feel? Did it feel like you thought it would feel when you reached that?
1: Yeah, I thought we talked about this in the last gathering where, you know, you keep using past tense in terms of reaching the top of my career, and I, you know, so anyway, uh, but no, you know, listen, we all are motivated by certain things. You know, for me, the motivation in business was always about building and growing. Uh, I love whenever Pastor Ben talks about his son Judah and how he carries around the tools and loves all this, because I think we all got a little bit of Judah in them, right? And uh, for me, yeah, it was building and growing organizations, providing solutions, Um, you know, fixing problems and those sorts of things. Uh, But what you learn and what I learned, uh, you know, very quickly in business is that the value that you create today is at some point typically going to be restructured, merged, bought, sold, acquired. It's just kind of the nature of business, especially the the aviation business over the 30 years that I was in it. So while a lot of successes and a lot of things that I I, I loved in aviation, uh, you just have to have the realization that business success is temporal. It's fleeting. And that was kind of the lesson you asked, kind of like feeling lesson learned after, you know, kind of a career in that is it's just that. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. That's business. That's the nature of business. In fact, as a leader, the sooner you embrace that, uh, the better leaders you are in terms of leading through change and accelerating vision and those sorts of things. Um, But I just feel very, very blessed to be able to have taken that experience in aviation and kind of come into, you know, this world and utilize my experience um, in an area that has more of eternal return on investment.
0: I want to talk a lot more about uh, eternal return on investment versus return on investment, but uh, I'd love for you to tell a little bit of of how you ended up on staff here. Mm. So again, kind of tracking with serving 30 years aviation, president of ABM. God begins to speak to your heart, and now fast forward, you're on stage on a Sunday at Go Church, come on like, it's, that's, it's profound really. So talk a little bit, unpack a little bit about how God opened doors and what led you to saying yes and coming on staff and being a part of the great team here at Go Church.
1: Yeah, listen, I ask myself every morning, how in the world did I end up here? <laughs> <laughs> so did <do> <laughs> <laughs> No, seriously, we have a great team and I am so grateful to be a part of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I just want to make sure that that's clear. You know, listen, a little background, Shane and I, um, uh, we joined church here. We became members shortly after we moved from Kentucky. So we've been here, you know, back when it was Pastor Allen and Tree City Church of God. Um, you came on board for a while as youth pastor. Uh, you and Kimberly eventually went to Germantown, of course, and then you came back as the lead pastor. And, you you know, shortly after that, you started sharing uh, about your vision and your heart for growth. And I tell you, it really resonated with me. I think it actually may have been in a legacy series on a That's Vision right. Sunday. Um but I, I, kind of, I've got background and experience in growing organizations and structures and those sorts of things, and so I felt a tug at my heart, kind of that still small voice that's like, you know, urging me to urge me to kind of reach out to you, and you know, maybe I could help. Um, I did. Uh, we ended up going to lunch. Uh, we knew of each other, but we really didn't know each other, yeah. you know. And so you shared more about your vision. I shared more about my background. Uh, the timing was good because right at that moment you were starting to form the the new board of trustees. Uh, this is really kind of the financial oversight for the church, and you asked me to serve on that. Uh, it was a little challenge because my career at the time was pretty intense, traveling a lot, uh, sometimes internationally. And, uh, but you were flexible. We only met on a quarterly basis. and you know, So anyway, I, I ended up committing and, and, and serving. And I share all of that to say because from that point, from that decision and, and, and uh, uh, the willingness just to kind of serve, to the time that I actually joined the staff, which was probably like maybe a three or four year period. Uh, it's just been amazing how the Lord has really supernaturally orchestrated yeah, okay. events to, that has led kind of to this, um, allowing me to semi-retire and transition out of the industry that I grew up in and had been in for 30 years, uh, giving me some downtime to not only decompress, but to kind of get to know the church a little bit better. We had some, we had, I was, had some time and we worked together on some things. Uh, all the way up to and including the timing of whenever a position became available here and you reached out to me and asked to join the team. And so, you know, in retrospect, when I look back, I just see the Lord's hand in all of it, you know, without going into a, a ton of detail ar- around it. And I'm asked quite a bit, you know, well, Don, how did you make the leap? How did you make the jump from uh, the secular business world into working for a church? And, and my answer is, is, it wasn't actually a jump. It was just, it was actually a small step. It was a little bit of a small step out in faith. And I think it really illustrates the just the importance of obedience. I, and I don't say this to me, right, sure. or for me, about me, but, you know, the Lord will take our obedience, and he'll not only honor it and bless it, but he'll magnify it in ways that Come we never on. we never thought possible. So, uh, yeah, so that's how I'm, that's how I'm here.
0: You know, something that you said a moment ago is something you said at the lunch you and I went to in 2019. Mm. You talked about, you know, working in aviation and how, at some point, there is an acquisition or a merger or it seems like an emphasis in aviation, even like bankruptcy. Right. And so you talked then at lunch, and then you mentioned this a moment ago that, you know, you wanted to focus on something that had an eternal return on the investment. So that started prompting this idea about legacy for you. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you define legacy then? You know, because in a moment, we'll talk a little bit more about worldly success and kingdom legacy and success but like how do you define legacy what are some thoughts there for you yeah i, I think
1: it's you know kind of three three things that just jumped to mind i mean you mentioned kind of like business terminology um i think of things like value creation and return on investment right i think legacy is about though investing yourself uh, or investing in an organization is something that has an eternal return on investment or can just going to create eternal value i think that's kind of one concept right I think the second thing for me, and really the first thing that I think of when I think of legacy, is just family. Um, and I've shared this before. Uh, my father passed away about five years ago. It really changed my perspective, uh, kind of changed my point of view on the generations that had come before me, not just my, my father but my, and my parents, but my, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, the generational blessings that I've been a recipient of. Um, And the responsibility that you kind of feel that, you know, in a real way, I am their legacy. And, you know, with that comes the responsibility to be the best that I can be, to be the best husband I can be, to be a right example for my my children and my grandchildren, and really kind of pay forward the generational blessings that have been sown into me. And and lots of times when we use words like generational blessings or even legacy, we think of, you know, wealth or finances, those sorts of things. But I think from a legacy perspective, it's more about the value system. It's about your faith. Uh, it's words like, you know, righteousness and holiness and integrity. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, that's definitely, for me, a big part of legacy. And listen, we didn't get to talk about this in the, in the last gathering, but I would also say, and I'll steal this because you used this last week, uh, uh, legacy is a we thing, yes. you know, not a me thing. Um, and I, I think when I look back on the journey of my career, anything that I've accomplished, um, or that I will accomplish in terms of legacy. My wife, Shane, has had much more to do with that in some ways than I have. I mean, had it not have been a we, I'm not for sure I would have ever had the motivation to do and to be the best that I could be. Um, There were many times when I was out pursuing a career, traveling, doing all the things that I was doing, that she was really sowing the legacy values at home with children uh, and kind of being our North Star. And I not only say that to, you know, really honor her, which is truly, you know, that's absolutely appropriate. But I think, you know... As we're talking about legacy, and as couples maybe talking about starting to have some intentional conversations around this, I think it's just critical that you're, you and your spouse are aligned. Come on, you've got to have value alignment. You've got to be That's able to good. collaborate. You're just not going to be able to get there if you don't.
0: Absolutely. So. You know, you talking about it makes me think I probably should have interviewed her more than you. I mean, she's uh, far more superior. Come on up, Shane. Come on up <laughs> real quick. No, um, no, it's so true. And, and I would say, if you are married, make sure that you're aligned. If you're not married, don't rush to get married until you know that you're marrying who God wants you to marry. Are y'all going to say amen or are you just going to stare at us like a cow looking at a new gate? Um, Let's talk a little bit about how we define, you know, like success. Okay, because, and you can have, and this is important for you to know, I'm not against worldly success. God's not against worldly success. God God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to walk in perpetual blessing and favor so that you don't keep that all for yourself but so that you can bless other people, right? So you can you can have worldly success, but God really wants you to make sure that you're having a kingdom legacy. Right. So let's talk a little bit about that for you like what at some point you made a decision cuz you know like you can go to LinkedIn and your profile is still there. I'm sure other corporations and companies have called and you know but you made a decision to say you know what like I'm gonna I'm gonna stay committed to what I feel God is calling me to do build my kingdom legacy versus continuing to have whatever worldly success is out there does that make sense so talk a little bit about that why
1: yeah I think you know first of all um, and this is you know to just kind of affirm what you're saying. I don't view worldly success and kingdom legacy as mutually exclusive ideas. I think one really should really kind of feed the other. I think there's room and absolutely, you know, in this world to have success and have that drive and feed a kingdom legacy. I think of people like C.E. Woolman, the founder of Delta Airlines. You think of Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A. I mean, you cannot find more successful businessmen. And at the same time, leaving a legacy with their family, their church, their community, so, and, you know, listen, we've got a number of successful business people here Absolutely. at Go Church, and I think of our board of trustees. I think of men who are successful in their areas, who are utilizing their gifts uh, to really shepherd and steward the finances of, of our church. And so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't view it as an either or. Um, I view it more about each of us having a gift or a talent Many times that gift and talent is what's driving our worldly success, yeah. and so how do you utilize that to uh, to really leverage uh, growth for the kingdom, advancing the kingdom?
0: That's so good. Th- there's a verse, and this is really this is my prayer for each of you, for myself. It's a verse that I used uh, earlier in the week with my son Lakeland, who's 11, so he's kind of coming into those preteen years, and you know, uh, creating some new conversations for us about decisions that you make and responsibility and all of that and it's the verse that Paul shared with the church at Ephesus Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 1 and here's what he said he said I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling in which you have received yeah. and I want to tell you this and this is what I told my son and I'll talk to you in a similar fashion as a spiritual leader or voice in your life all of us have a calling So when God created you, it's not like he created you and then forgot to give you purpose. As a matter of fact, I don't necessarily believe that God created you and then gave you a purpose. I believe that God had a purpose and so he created you. That's a different thinking, isn't it? So you're created because God had a purpose for you. And I think maybe like in, in the business world, like that term calling isn't very familiar. That's more of a church thing. But purpose and calling go hand in hand. So you, all of you have a calling. That's why you're alive. And now you have a responsibility to live worthy, to live a life worthy of that call. And that, that's a powerful thought whenever you sit back and you kind of survey your life and you say, okay, God's given me a calling. He's given me a purpose. Am I living my life worthy of that? that that's powerful. And just to encourage you, I think you're doing an excellent job with that. And I didn't tell the first gathering this um. but when the pandemic hit you know and we had to shut the doors for months that was tough for a lot of people but even as a pastor and Don the way that God sent you to us in that season to help us navigate through that man like I'm forever grateful and I know that kind of the job that, that you do. A lot of people never see that. But you helped us in such a tremendous way to navigate such a difficult time. I man, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that you are an example of living a life worthy of the calling in which you've received. And it's not just me that's thankful, but I think it's appropriate just to show them that we're all thankful. Like, thank you for just being obedient, man. And you told me to never say this publicly, but you also taught me how to play golf. And so uh, that's my bad golf game is also a part of your legacy. Come on. (laughs) That's on you. Um, Yeah. We we want to stop and have a moment of prayer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we need to have a prayer for my golf game. Let's keep talking about success. So now that, respectfully, now that you're older, come on, okay? Now that you're older, like, how do you measure success now, you know, compared to an earlier time in your life? You know how how what how would you define success now versus then?
1: Yeah, listen, I I kind of struggled a little bit when with this question, um, and I really I think the best illustration I can give is uh, you and I have a very close friend uh, who actually serves on the on the board of trustees. Uh, his father passed away a few weeks ago, and we were privileged to be able to go to the services, which was really a celebration of this this gentleman's life. This this guy's family actually, le- I mean children, grandchildren, led the services, not just the eulogy, but the preaching, the worship, all of it. In that service, we heard about a man who is faithful, uh, who loves the Lord, loves his family. We heard how much he loved to worship and and seeing how much he loved to spend time in the Bible. We heard testimonies about his generosity, sometimes to strangers, um, forgiveness in his family. I mean, it was it was inspirational that day. It was really something. Uh, And as I kind of take a step back away from, from that moment and knowing his family and, and knowing his, you know, the children and the grandchildren, when you try to take a step back and look, what really impresses me is you can just see his fingerprints all over their lives. Yeah. You know, and here you're talking about a man of modest means from a rural part of Georgia, who's having an, who's had an eternal impact on his family, on his community. There's no better definition of legacy to me and success in that.
0: Come on. Uh, Sitting at that funeral, and I've, man, I mean, I'm north of 20 years now in full-time ministry, so I've attended a number of funerals. I've officiated a number of funerals. It's those moments that really just kind of make your heart swell. And I remember his first grandson, uh, talking about the individual that passed away recently, his first grandson uh, spoke and something that he said, and again, this isn't criticism, but it didn't seem like, you know, this gentleman probably had a ton of net worth at the end of his life. But if you remember the first grandchild, he said, I, growing up, I thought Paul was rich. You remember that? Mm-hmm. He said, I thought Paul was rich. Man, and I just sat there and I thought a lot of the things that as a dad that I think really matter probably don't really matter. And this isn't criticism of what's going to happen at Christmas. You know, I mean, Amazon has already been at my house more times than they should ever come to my house. Our kids are going to get gifts and all of that. But I want you to know that for those of you that have kids, regardless of their age, but you have children, their love for you is not based upon the next gadget or piece of technology or the amount of money that you give them. Now, the kids that are in the room, they're like, oh, yeah, test it. (laughs) To Try it. I'll show you. But the truth is, is that, like, I don't think that kids think about, like, I want, you know, like, we lived in a 4,500-square-foot home, so I loved my parents more. Or, you know, like, they, they drove this particular car, so I, I just, those things don't matter. Like, what your family really needs is you. Like, time with you is the greatest gift. And I think the older I get, the more, like, I... See that as success. Now, you still got to go to work. You still got to pay the bills because you, you have responsibility. But don't miss the forest for the trees. The Bible talks about in Mark 8, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and then lose his soul? And I, I would even say it this way, and Lord, you know my heart, without taking that verse out of context. What does it profit a whole man to gain the whole world and lose your family? Or to miss your kid's childhood? Like, though, when, whenever we breathe our last breath and people talk about us and they remember us, the value of your life is not based upon how much money you made, the kind of car you drive, the kind of house you live in, how many degrees you obtained. And those things, in the right place, that's fine. They're important. But those things aren't what really matters. Amen. You know, and you showed the picture of your family. And, you know, now you've got grandkids. And someone once said that the best reason not to kill your children is because they're gonna give you grandkids one day. Come on, yeah. come on, grandparents. Where are you at, grandparents? I like say, grandparents. And now you got grand, and I think as you know, as we all mature, you know, it would be nice if we could go back and tell the younger us, like what really matters is fill in the blank. As a matter of fact, let's do this real quick. Germantown online, everybody in this room, will you take something out to write with? Come on, there's a sermon note card in a seat near you, maybe got a journal or your smartphone. I don't want you to get distracted by this, but I I want to take 20 seconds here, and I want you to write down two or three thoughts. How do you define success? That's the question. Write that down. How do I define success? And and how do you define it? And I'm giving you some thoughts to consider here. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying, you know, don't, don't consider your future retirement, right place, right time, right context. But what really will make your life successful? And I think synonymous with legacy would be understanding success or heritage. Mm-hmm. And Those things are important. But what are people going to say about you? So how, how, do you define, how do you define success? As a matter of fact, while they're writing that down, Don, talk about this. So what would you say to someone that, you know, is trying to convince themselves that if I want to be happy or if I want contentment, I need more money, I need more title, I need more influence, because sometimes that's our mindset, right, like more things will make us more something, what would you say to that individual?
1: Yeah, I think the answer is it might. Uh, Wealth and and influence may lead to to happiness and contentment. I think the question is really, what's the motivation? that's good. Um so if you if we are are motivated to use our wealth uh and our influence to enrich our family, church, community, invest in things eternal, we're going to get a lot of fulfillment out of that, right? Uh but if our motivation is purely around accumulating wealth so I can get things, materialism or influence so I can have more power, I'm just not for sure how fulfilling that that's going to be. So I don't think there's anything wrong actually with wealth. Um, influence and those sorts of things uh, they're great tools if they're used the right way
0: here's another question to write down and ask yourself am i fulfilled do i wake up every day and i'm fulfilled with what i'm doing with my life i think that again influence or you know more financial stability could create some happiness and contentment but we also see movie stars and even athletes. I mean, they sign lucrative contracts and they're miserable, miserable. So I just don't want you to equate like more money with more fulfillment. I think that the happiest people, and this, is, this isn't just opinion, this is fact. If you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, you can, you can research that, but this is fact that the highest level that an individual can reach in living is when they're giving of themselves to others it's transcendent living when it's not focused internally but your life is focused externally and now regardless of what you do it's why you do what you do that really provides fulfillment so you could be and this is this isn't a criticism cuz god knows that we need spirit filled school teachers come on somebody Spirit-filled lawyers, doctors. Good Lord knows we need some Christ-centered politicians. You ought to say amen to that. You could be a mechanic. If that's what brings you fulfillment, it's not what you do, it's why you do it. So now as a mechanic, it's like, I don't get up every day and work on cars. It's I get up every day and fix cars so that the person that drives this car can reach their own destiny. It's purpose. It's a different perspective. Does that make sense? So again, like, Every single one of you, you have a calling, you have a purpose, and God has put something in your hand. What has he put in your hand? And you all have talents. You all have abilities. You all have giftings. And if you say, well, no, I, I don't. You do. You just haven't discovered it yet. And we try to help you to discover that and move track. So to discover, take a spiritual gifts assessment and discover what's in your hand. What special skill do you have? What unique skill do you have? And what's in your hand Is only there to help you accomplish what God put in your heart. So don't get up every day and think about the what is in my hand. Think about the what is in my heart. Why are you alive? Why did God wake you up today? Maybe my brain's just weird, but sometimes I think of that. I think, why why am why am I alive today? It's because there's a purpose. And God's put something in your heart, and it all points back to Jesus. Amen? God's put something in your heart a responsibility to fulfill, and I'm telling you, instead of focusing on making a living, what if you got up every day and you said, like, Don, I'm just gonna make a difference. I'm gonna make a difference. I think it's a great place to pause, yeah. <clears throat> La- last part of this is, so we use what's in our hand to accomplish what God put in our heart. Whatever is in your hand, whatever gift, whatever skill, don't overlook it as insignificant because that gift comes really natural to you. And you think, well, everybody can do that. Not everybody can do that. God gave you a unique gift. So what he put in your hand, you should use that to accomplish ultimately what God put in your heart. As as your pastor, I'm just telling you, you don't have to be miserable every day that you wake up. There's more to life than that, than clocking in, clocking out, nine to five, or whatever that work routine is. Wake up. The Bible talks about how the joy of the Lord is your strength. That this is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, All right, Don. So let's talk about this. Um, One of the things I love about Go Church is her diversity. Mm. The, the, you know, diversity by way of ethnicity, but also the diversity in age. Mm. So what would you say to the, the younger person that's listening today that feels like, well, I'm too young to start living a legacy life. Or what would you say to the person that might consider themselves to be older? And they would say, well, I'm too old to start living a legacy life. What advice or encouragement would you give those two groups of people?
1: Yeah, so I think, first of all, my definition of young and old is evolving. Sure. Right? Um, I think, first of all, it's a flawed question, yeah. the, way you, the way you framed it up. Uh, if the question is, when do I, well, young or old, when do I start living a life of legacy, well then, we're all already living a life sure. of legacy. And you've made this point several times. It's not a question of whether you're leaving a legacy, because we all are, yep. and it's already in process. The question is, are we going to be intentional about okay. our legacy, or is this going to be kind of a random by default thing? Uh, I think the thing I would share with, with younger folks, and this is more maybe financial ap- kind of uh, practical application, uh, but many times, and I, I think for me as well, you know, sometimes there's a mindset when you're talking about these things that I need to reach a certain status or I need to reach a certain level of, of wealth or financial security, whatever that it is. And I guess my, my, my encouragement would be it's you're never too young to start uh, really implementing the right kind of financial habits and, and proper uh, really godly, godly stewardship principles. Uh, you know, tithing on a regular basis, not living above your means, not getting into a lot of debt. A lot of the Dave Dave Ramsey, you know, kind of concepts. um, I think that not only serves people well now, but at some point later on in your career, uh, if you decide that you want to move into something different, you want to change your career, you want to start working in nonprofit, volunteer your time, you'll start working for the church you're going to need financial flexibility to make those moves. Um, you don't want to find yourself that, okay, this is my calling, but I just don't feel like I can financially go there. That's not a place you want to be as you get older. So I think I think that's really an important concept for younger folks. For folks who may you know feel a little bit older or like the time has kind of passed them by, uh, I just would not underestimate the impact that your experience can have. Um, yeah. I think that that is uh, such a big deal. And I've, I've seen that here with myself, being able to take experience from – something else, um, uh, a different walk of life that I've had, being able to apply that here and seeing how that can make a difference has been very fulfilling for me. Um, you know, I, I love what you, you said last week when, towards the end of the message when you kind of laid out the, a broader vision and a very detailed vision for the church. And you made this point, the church isn't you, it's not the staff, it's, it's us. That's right. And so we need we need the hands and feet. We need the experiences to be able to take us where we need to go. It's not too late for
0: that, ever. Come on. I, I'll say real quick to both groups. Uh, to those of you that feel like you're, you know, you're in that season of of being older, the the two best things that you can offer those who are younger is your experience and your availability. I mean, irreplaceable to offer life experience and spiritual. Experience And then to be available to do that. I had a lady last Sunday after the second gathering stop me in the lobby and say, you know, she works for a nonprofit. And she says the biggest need that we have is mentors. I don't have any mentors for the younger generation. And I would think for those of you in that older season, and again, that's loosely defined, but like experience availability, use that. And then for those of you that are maybe younger, you're just starting out and you're uh career or you're starting out with your family, listen to me and I want you to hear this close because legacy is not, it's not a money series. And I told you that in between the gatherings, the tension of legacy is, it's not about money, but money is tied to it because, and this is to the younger generation, because if you get in debt, like if you get in suffocating debt, you're drowning in debt, you've got an ungodly car payment, Uh, you are living way beyond your means and, and you live in a house that you can't afford, to try and impress people that really don't care, okay? Now, all of a sudden, if God calls you to do something, you're financially strapped, and you can't even be obedient to that. Let's just think think through this for a moment. What if tonight, as you prayed before you go to bed, God spoke to you and said, I'm calling you to be a missionary. Leave it all and go on the mission field. Now, God's not going to do that for every person, but what if he did? How many of you, and this is rhetorical, don't answer aloud, don't raise your hand, but you would be able to say, you know what, I'm in a financial position that I could, I could quit my job and I could go on the mission field. The average uh, statistic in America would say that the majority of people are living paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. because we live in a very consumeristic culture. So I was talking to somebody earlier this week, and they said, you know, we just live a pretty simple life. I actually think that, well, I know that that's a spiritual discipline, is a discipline of simplicity, and I think we've overcomplicated a lot of things because we've gotten our eyes focused on the dot instead of the line. And if you missed hearing that in previous weeks, go back online because we talked a lot about that. So to the younger, the younger people, don't get into debt. I wish there'd be some people that would amen right there. Come on, like whether you're in debt and you know like, yeah, I know exactly what that feels like. Or that's good advice because God, God is always speaking. God is always calling you. But if you get in overwhelming debt, then you may not be in a position where you can step out in faith or be obedient to do that. So I think that's just really, really good advice on both fronts. The older generation, you've got availability and experience. And the younger generation, one of our core values at Go Church is steward with integrity. And that should be adopted in your life, to steward with integrity. And in everything you do to be above reproach, right? Is that good? Okay, now let's transition here. Because... Next Sunday, we're going to take up a legacy offering. It's the only offering that we take at Go Church all year, the only special offering. Every Sunday, people give uh, consistently in their tithe. And so tithe, again, is considered to be 10% of your income, and people do that. Not everybody does 10%. Some do 2% or 5%, but there are people that every week they give, okay? And once a year, we pause to take up a special legacy offering. And again, it's the only special offering that we do. And it's unique because I'm asking all of you to give something. And I don't ever do that. But the reason that we ask that is because however much money comes in, we give 100% of it away. 100% of it away. So here's what I've asked Don to do is I want him to talk about the integrity of that offering and the purity of that offering. Because it's one thing for a pastor to get up and be like, yeah, if you give money, we're going to give it away. And there might be some people that are thinking, well, I don't know. Are they really going to? Is that true? Uh, is, is he a man of his word? So now you're on, you're on the, the back side of all of this, the bookkeeping side as well. Uh, you've seen last year's legacy offering come in. We're about to start this year's legacy offering. So I thought maybe take a moment here and talk a little bit about the integrity of the offering, the purity of the offering, and how all of that works.
1: Yeah, I think the, f- the first thing I would just like to say is we have an incredibly generous church. Yes. You know, I know you always talk about you inherited that from Pastor Allen. But I think it's just a reflection of of you. You're an incredibly generous person, and of him. And so I think that's number one. I think the second thing is, from the board of trustees through the entire staff, we take stewardship of our resources here incredibly seriously. You yes. know, so when we talk about legacy offering, and you hear about outreach partners, we have a, a, a relatively in-depth strategy about how we select our partners. Uh, we go through a process of vetting. Um, we look for partners who have uh, like-minded and like-valued. We look for local partners that we can actually partner with, not just financially, but in terms of service and, uh, and time. Um, and then we also have, <coughs> excuse me, we have also kind of developed some tools, some financial tools that allow us to go out and, and evaluate the financial integrity of the partners that we're dealing with. And so very strategic, and that continues to evolve. And I think that that's, that's incredibly important. Uh, the process that we go, go through, though, is we we're already starting to go through that vetting process, and by the time that the legacy offering is taken, and by the time we get to the end of December, we will know not only who the legacy partners will be next year, but we will know down to the penny who go, who's going to get what. We will have allotted all of that. Um, and so that's, you know, that's really important. It's not kind of by chance. There's a lot of intent in it. Um, and I think that's really important for folks to
0: understand and know. 100% of what you give goes out. True? True. 100%. And we, we designate those legacy partners in five lanes. So we focus on the next generation, local outreach in our communities. We look at national missions, world missions, and then ministry projects. And so the integrity of the offering is validated. Whatever comes in, every dollar, every nickel, penny, dime, you name it, we give it, we give it all away. That's tremendous, isn't it? And for those of you that weren't a part of last year's offering, uh, you all gave north of $200,000. Come on, can we just say thanks to God for that? I mean, so I'm not gonna tell you the amount that I'm praying for, uh, but it's a big number and we don't keep any of it. None of it goes towards, you know, keeping the lights on or administrative costs. It all goes towards ministry. And some of those stories you're going to hear all throughout 2022, every Sunday we try to highlight. You saw it today with Jeff Hunt and Montgomery County FCA. You saw that, right? You guys didn't fall asleep during that, right? Come on. Uh, Because of your legacy offering, we helped to to fund FCA. And all year long in 2022, you'll hear these stories. Uh, We'll talk about how you've helped to rescue women from the travesty of human sex trafficking. You'll see stories of how, because of your generosity, uh, we helped people that were homeless, widows, orphans. Man, the list goes on. Missionaries around the world. We've got missionaries today in Southeast Asia, in Africa, in India, in Honduras, in Belize. Come on. When I talked about God calling you to be a missionary earlier, how many of you thought about the Caribbean? Come on, somebody, right? You'd sell it all and go there, wouldn't we? We got missionaries all over and we're able to, so some of the stories you'll see, but other stories you'll never even know about the impact that your generosity made until you get to heaven. And now there's a reward stored up in heaven because of your faithfulness. We will never, I will never, God is my witness, ask anybody how much they gave. And I'll never ask you to run a report on how much a particular family gave. I'm asking you to do two things, just like my family's doing. Will you just pray? God, what would you have us to give next Sunday? What would you have us give? And then would you participate? Would you just be obedient to whatever God puts in your heart? That's it. The third part would be is I'd love for you to be here next Sunday in person. Uh, One of my dearest friends in ministry, Pastor Dino Rizzo from Church of the Highlands, is preaching. He's no stranger to the house. Probably one of the most hilarious human beings that you'll ever encounter. But he always got a great word. He's going to be here on Legacy Sunday next Sunday. We'll have a special time of a moment of prayer and worship as we receive the offering. And then in Vision Sunday, on Vision Sunday in February, we'll tell you exactly how much money came in. It's going to be tremendous. So, uh, are you proud to be a part of a church that believes in the opportunity to be generous? I think it's great. And while you're clapping, would you say thank you to Don Stevens? Come on, somebody. Hey, I love you, man. Grateful for you. I told Don in preparation of today, and then I want to pray for you. Uh, The heart of this conversation, I know it's a little bit different, but I just want you to know that some people practice what we preach, that this isn't just motivational speech. And I think seeing a story like Don's for me is just powerful to know that when God speaks and you listen, God does tremendous things. There's, There's the power of obedience there. You know, and I also told him, I said, you know, like, having you up here really validates, again, the integrity of, of what Go Church is about. This is not a perfect church, but it's a pretty great church. And I am humbled and just so proud to pastor such amazing people. And I believe that 2022, for the ministry of Go Church and for your family, it's going to be a fantastic year. Because Lord knows 2020 and 2021 have been a little tough, right? But 2022, I'm believing for greater things. Let me pray for you today. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for those that are here listening and for those online. God, I thank you that something that was said today through Don's testimony would resonate in our heart, that all of us would just see through a different lens, that life, the value of our life is not about how much money we got, but it's about how many people we impact for you. Everything we do, I wanna see in heaven. So that means we have to put Jesus on all of it. Everything we do, you have to get the glory. None of it can be about us. It's got to be all about you. So everything we do at Go Church, everything we do as a family, everything we do individually, may we do it for the glory of God. And may we live our life worthy of the calling in which we have received. And then for next Sunday, as we take up this special offering, God, as we just begin to pray, would you put the amount in our heart? And then would we just be obedient to say yes? And then we'll watch you take all of that and multiply it in a supernatural way. And we know that you'll do significant things through it. Next Sunday, the legacy offering is kind of like a kingdom mutual fund. People will just be giving through the ministry of Go Church. And we will impact dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of legacy partners and thousands and tens of thousands of lives around the world because we're giving through Go Church. And so I'm excited to see the obedience of your people and the way that you give us great favor. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. And together, everybody said amen and amen. All right, let's give Jesus the best praise. Come on. Thank you, Don. All right.